Are you looking for more ways to learn about military and veteran culture? Are you a mental health professional or public health professional without lived experience in the military but find yourself working with veterans? Are you a caregiver or a family member of a veteran? Then you might be interested in a series of books that have been released with you in mind. By going to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books, you can check out three books that give you an insight into veteran mental health from a combat veteran perspective. These books are a collection of short, consumable essays that discuss a wide range of topics related to mental health and wellness in post-military life. Head on over to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books and check them out for yourself or follow the link in the show notes. Welcome to episode 85 of the Headspace and Timing podcast. I wanted to give you a quick reminder, there's some changes coming at the beginning of the new year. Headspace and Timing will be shifting to its own podcast feed in your podcast player of choice. You'll have to subscribe to the show again wherever you find your podcast. It'll continue to be available at VeteranMentalHealth.com, but we're making some changes. Along with this, we'll be making other changes. One thing that will not change is the discussion about how to change the way we think and talk about mental health. On today's episode, I talked to Army veteran Christopher Malaro. Chris is not a mental health professional, but he has built a company that is supporting mental health professionals and veterans through technological applications. There truly is nothing to be ashamed about when you struggle with anxiety or when you're when you're feeling depressed. Moreover, and the most tragic thing is, is that these these different um, struggles and these illnesses don't have to be life sentences. They don't have to last forever. You don't have to always struggle with them. Now, it may take work in truly getting better, but there's evidence-based therapies and there's a ton of dedicated professionals that are committed to getting patients uh, to feel better and to um, develop a, you know, a certain level of resiliency. Welcome to the Change Your POV Podcast Network. You're listening to Headspace and Timing, a show dedicated to breaking down the stereotypes about veteran mental health. My name's Dwayne France, and I'm a combat veteran of both Iraq and Afghanistan. After I retired from the Army, I took on a new mission as a clinical mental health counselor for my fellow service members. If you served in any branch of the military, you're familiar with the M2 machine gun, the 50 cal. It's one of the most effective weapons in the military's arsenal. If the weapon's headspace and timing wasn't set right, however, it was just a huge useless chunk of metal. Veterans can be rendered inoperable if their headspace and timing isn't set correctly either. That's my goal with this show, to change the way that we think and talk about veteran mental health and reduce the stigma against seeking support. Each week, we'll talk with mental health professionals, veterans, and those who support veterans, service members, and their families. We're going to have real and honest conversations about a topic that most just don't like to talk about, veteran mental health. Let's jump into this week's conversation. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Headspace and Timing Podcast. Once again, and as always, we really appreciate you taking the time to listen and learn more about uh, veteran mental health. Um, today's guest is uh, someone that's doing things a little differently uh, in accessing uh, mental health and wellness for, for veterans and service members. Uh, he is a veteran himself, uh, but he's got a, a new way of looking at and, and sort of dealing with um, uh, mental health concerns with his, uh, with his company, Neuroflow. So uh, I'd like to welcome to the show today, Christopher Malaro. Chris, welcome to the show. Hi, Dwayne. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, certainly. It's uh, it's glad that uh, with all the busyness, which we'll get into a little later about how uh, how Neuroflow is making the impact, uh, to be able to take the time and, and sort of spread the word, it's great. 
Before we get into NeuroFlow, I'd like to give you an opportunity to tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, I mean, I like, like you said, I was um, an, I'm an Army veteran. I served uh, for five years after uh, commissioning as an officer in the field artillery. Man, being in the artillery was probably one of the funnest jobs I could have ever uh, asked for. Um, and the greatest honor of my life to this date has been uh, the opportunity to lead a platoon of soldiers. Um, I was in the 1st Cavalry Division uh, during my platoon leader years. Uh, we deployed to Iraq in 2011 in support of uh, the, the combat operations over there. And, um, you know, in that realm, so I have a bachelor's degree in engineering from West Point, and, you know, you, you kind of you hit on it a little bit of, you know, veterans uh, reinventing themselves earlier. Uh, you know, I, I don't think I've reinvented myself at all. I mean, I'm doing something different in regards to applying my skill set to helping make an impact in mental health. But I'm not a mental health expert. I mean, you're you're more of an expert than I am, certainly, 100%. Uh, I'm not. I don't have a healthcare background, but I am a problem solver and a leader, which is two attributes that I learned and developed through military service. I'm just applying those attributes to now solving problems uh, and and helping be a part of the solution in the mental health arena. Um, so I know how to build a team around me and and hopefully surround myself self with people that are much smarter and have uh, a deeper level of expertise than I do on my team and together as a you know as a unit and now as a company uh, we can try to solve and tackle these these really tough problems no that's uh, that's really great the idea of uh, you haven't reinvented yourself but not a lot of individuals will leave the military and, and get into the the mental health space, um, how did that come about for you to start addressing sort of, you know, the invisible wounds and, and, and figuring out the technological solution to some of these experiences about how combat changes veterans? Yeah, I think it, it happens the way a lot of us come across the, the things that we end up doing is because we have, we solve, we see a problem that is personal to us, whether we're affected by it or we have, uh, we see friends or family members that are affected by it. And I'm not talking about just mental health, but anything, you know, you figure any invention that's out there, most of them came about because that person had a problem with whatever their invention ended up solving. Um, so in particular for mental health, it's kind of unique because anyone listening to this show you know, if they're honest with themselves, either they've been affected by mental health personally. I mean, we it's we all go through bouts of depression or or have anxious moments, even if you're not diagnosed with those illnesses. Um, but if you uh, if you haven't, if you've been fortunate enough or resilient enough to not have gone through that, you certainly a hundred percent know someone uh, that's close to you that has. So all of us, um, you, me, all your listeners have been affected one way or another by mental health. And we, um, you know, so then being in the Army, uh, after 280 combat missions, uh, you know, it's, there are a lot of, a lot of soldiers, uh, myself included, 
were, uh, were anxious, uh, maybe had symptoms of PTSD or depression, and those were really never talked about. I mean, you said it, you said it best, those invisible injuries. Yet, we had our back pain treated for, and if we needed knee surgery, we got that. And if you had a dislocated shoulder, you went to physical therapy. And so you had all these physical health injuries, um, you know, these physical wounds being taken care of, but never the mental health aspect of things. And what's really encouraging, though, is more than ever, the medical community is understanding and acknowledging, and I think people are finally starting to make it part of the conversation in that mental health affects the physical health component of things, and vice versa. I mean, if you just look at the statistics, um, if someone is diagnosed with depression, they're three times as likely, uh, just by the numbers, I mean, if you look at the people diagnosed with depression, they're three times as likely to have a chronic pain diagnosis or to be in an opioid prescription. You know, I mean, those you can't make those numbers up. And, um, and, and so I think what it shows us is evidence that the physical health component affects the mental health and vice versa. And so I personally had soldiers and I knew friends of mine that uh, were getting their physical health taken care of. They were also uh, diagnosed or identified as uh, being a candidate to benefit from seeing a therapist or a psychologist or something like that. And so that's really great news. I mean, just to be identified and to get that, to have those resources extended to you. And then in particular, I was at Fort Hood in, down in Texas and Fort Hood had a place called the Resiliency Center. The Resiliency Center was this world-class facility. I mean, it was one of the best mental health facilities that the Army had to offer. Um, and so you have all these resources, which is really great, but they're only good if you actually go and take care of them. And, you know, I personally knew folks that ended up being diagnosed with depression. Um, and tragically, they, you know, we hear the number all the time that 20 veterans a day commit suicide. Um, so that number is terrible and tragic. Uh, but what number is not more public is then all the soldiers that struggle with suicide ideations or um, or self-medicate with um, with painkillers or alcohol and just kind of go in this downward spiral. And and Dwayne, I'll I want to highlight one thing. Obviously, I mean that we're both veterans and the veteran community is very special to me. Uh, and I want to help solve this problem so that my brothers and sisters don't have to uh, struggle with this anymore and that they can go on doing the great things that they've already done for our nation. Uh, but this obviously isn't just a veteran issue. Millions and millions and millions of Americans a year have this, um, have these issues. And uh, too many times the mental health aspect of health gets kind of swiped aside. I mean, if you just look at the numbers themselves, so um, if you look at the 54 million Americans that have either depression or anxiety, 80% of them will see a primary care provider in the course of the next year, but won't go see a behavioral health specialist. That's 80% of the people that need the help are seen by a doctor, but don't go see a mental health doctor. Um, I mean, that that's a broken system. Access to care is not where it needs to be. And so, anyway, long story short, as a leader in the Army and just as a problem solver and wanting to be some, wanting to be a part of something bigger than myself, I saw this as, an, as, a, as a huge issue, obviously, and 
uh, when I transitioned out of the Army, I didn't want to just go get an, another corporate job somewhere, but I wanted to continue to serve in my own way and, and to try to make a little bit of an impact. And that's what led me to, uh, to the mental, you know, being a, uh, trying to be an innovator in the mental health field. You know, and there's a, uh, as you said, there, there's a lot of different things there, but definitely the idea of the barriers to care, you know, the, uh, uh, the resilience centers and the world-class mental health um, centers um, that, uh, you know, yes, they're great, but if they're empty, they're not effective, right? And that's a, a lot of the challenge is, you know, there is still that, you know, how do veterans not access uh, services? But also there's a there's an issue about what the community thinks. And, and I, I guess there's sort of this idea that, you know, mental health hasn't changed since the early 1900s, you know, where it's just some guy with a goatee and you're on a couch talking about your mother, right? right? Um, and and that's sort of the the image that that veterans certainly, but that uh, the community has in their mind. I was actually at a um, legislative event this past Friday, uh, talking to one of the state senators here in Colorado, uh, and he had said, "Man, I sure wish there was more science behind this mental health stuff so we could understand it." And, and I almost fell out of my chair. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm like, you know, there's especially now with um, in the last 25 years, really now with um, neuroimaging and, and what we know about the function of the brain, um, we've taken leaps forward into understanding the neurological and the biological basis. And you said earlier about how, um, you know, physical health is tied to, to mental health. But, you know, these things make physical changes to our brain, just as like, um, you know, muscular atrophy in my hand when I ignored, you know, carpal tunnel for 20 years, um, you know, the same kind of thing will happen to the structures of our brain, and therefore it's biological and and psychological at the same time. Uh, and that's a lot of what Neuroflow is trying to focus is on the um, utilizing the new science of, of mental health uh, and using what we know to enhance therapy. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, when it comes down to it, um, Neuroflow has two platforms. Um, Engage BH is used by behavioral health specialists. So, um, you know, there's a lot of talking about science behind a lot of this stuff. There's evidence-based therapies out there that have been proven over the last decade, few decades in terms of being really effective. So, uh, and in terms of kind of restructuring uh, the, the way that patients cope with these different uh, illnesses and thoughts and identifying the physical component of those things. So if you look at something like cognitive behavioral therapy, um, CPT is very effective for helping anxiety and depression. Um, obviously not effective for everyone, but everyone is, is a little bit different. But for the most part, what, um, there's a ton of research and evidence that's been well-funded over the last few decades that shows that it really is effective. Now, again, it's only effective if the patient is engaged with the activities and the um, kind of the exercises that they're supposed to do throughout the course of that treatment. And so Engage BH um, is a digital platform that connects the patient and their counselor, therapist, or psychologist, behavioral health specialist um, in between appointments so that they can practice their new skills and their assessments. Um, we keep them engaged and motivate them. 
um, and we do bring in the physical health, the, the physiology of it. So you, you said it very well, when you get stressed or you're anxious or you're relaxed, uh, your body physiologically changes itself. Um, your heart rate changes and your brain waves change in very precise manners that uh, we can measure. And so using it, the Engage BH uh, platform and uh, we integrate with wearable devices like heart rate monitors, uh, we can actually measure your body's physiological response to a, um, a therapy exercise or a mindfulness exercise. So you can see objectively uh, how your body is reacting to that and you can measure on, a, you know, on an empirical scale uh, how stressed you are and how relaxed you are in real time. There, we take it a step further and we have another platform called Integrate Health. And this is really exciting because payers are now getting behind it as well. And the payers understand that, okay, this isn't only the right thing to do, and it's not only going to lead to better outcomes, but mental health patients are also more expensive to the, to the health system and to themselves. So the payers are now reimbursing primary care doctors and psychiatrists, anyone that can uh, prescribe medication uh, for involving and integrating therapy behavioral health specialists into their workflow and their practices. So our platform, Integrate Health, takes the physical health component, the primary care, the pain management, the medications behind psychiatry, and we integrate in a more seamless automated fashion this therapy workflow. Um, so Duane, if you were a, um, you know, if, if you were doing therapy with me as a behavioral health specialist, and I was also seeing my primary care provider, we try to connect you to integrate the both of you um, so that um, the PCP is not operating in the dark. They know how my therapy is going, how my behavioral health uh, treatment is going, and vice versa. You can remotely understand uh, how I'm physiologically responding. You could understand how I'm engaging. Am I even compliant? Am I doing the exercises that I should be doing? Um, and you know, we, we bring it full circle in that way. So, to you know, we're, and to be very clear, we're not trying to replace any therapists or the doctors or anything. In fact, we couldn't do what we do without you. Um, it, we view ourselves as a um, as a tool to enhance your workflow uh, so that you could be more effective in your mission. But um, it, you know, it's something that's very exciting at this time. Yeah, and I see the the benefit of that. I, I typically see a client. Uh, once a week, maybe twice a week, uh, for an hour. Uh, maybe there's a group thrown in there as well. So maybe at the most three hours for a typical outpatient. I mean that's actually um, over and above what what most people will see a therapist uh, or a mental health professional outside of a more intense um, or an inpatient uh, system. We see them about an hour a week, and we talk about what work what we're working on or talk about what's going on. Uh, and then it's, uh, you know, high five and I'll see you next week kind of thing. And then there's a whole lot of hours in between the hour one week and the hour the next week. And, you know, and that's one thing of NeuroFlow sort of bridging that gap. Um, and, and it's like, uh, you know, going to a personal trainer once a week doesn't do any good if you don't apply what the personal trainer uh, has you do in the other gym sessions throughout the week. Exactly, so, 100%. Right, and that's and that's where I see you know NeuroFlow's benefit is sort of amplifying um, in a in a very real way uh, the work in in therapy, which will actually mean that you know treatment progress will increase sooner, and so you won't have to see me or see the 
the um, uh, the therapist as long. You know, if you're again going back to the physical, if you only do the physical therapy exercises at the physical therapist's office when you go there, uh, then you're going to be seeing them two to three times longer than if you actually apply your physio exercises uh, at the house or what have you. Uh, and so I, I see that that's a, a huge benefit to to really making things, you know, getting things a lot sooner. Have you seen a, a good response with that? Yeah, I mean, things that, man, um, so yes, long story short is it's been very encouraging. We've, you know, we're still an early and a young company. We've been in clinics in the market for just a little over a year now. Um, we did a you know, a lot of research uh, in conjunction with the University of Pennsylvania, and now you mentioned that we're launching in the VA, which was funded by the National Science Foundation. But just in the short term, uh, in a year, we're launched in 120 clinics and hospitals with thousands of patients. And if you look at the, the standard of care statistics, if I was just to come to see you for therapy and you were to have me do my CBT exercises, Depending on the severity and the demographic of the person and the disorder type, um, we would expect a range of compliance with my exercises from you know 10 to 50 percent. So best case in a best case scenario, we would expect me to do my homework and my exercises half the time. Uh, worst case, we'd expect me to do it maybe one you know one in ten times. Um, and so, you know, obviously, even the best case isn't that that good. So, uh, with NeuroFlow, uh, we've seen with the thousands of patients that we have on it now, and the, over 100 clinics and hospitals, we're averaging a compliance rate uh, from 60 to 70 percent. Um, so, substantially higher than the standard of care, even in the best case. And frankly, you know, I I say that with with a lot of humility because that's while it's better than the standard of care today, it's still nowhere near where we want to be. Um, and uh, so while I think it's a step in the right direction and we're really happy and hopeful about uh, that progress, there's still a lot of work to be done. Um, it's why that we're, um, you know, we're working with the providers, we're working with the patients um, to get their feedback in terms of what worked, what they liked, what they didn't, um, so we could create a really more robust and comprehensive platform. Uh, and hopefully see those engagement numbers um, much, much higher than even where they are today uh, in the next year or so. Right, and, and that's some, some really encouraging, especially for being as young as you are, right? You know, as you said, you've, you've only been uh, operating for, for just over a year or so, um, but, uh, but the college ball player knows that they're, um, that they're getting somewhere whenever the major league scouts start to uh, come to the games. And the fact that you were actually, that the Department of Veterans Affairs, which is um, rightly so notorious for making sure, they're not early adopters, right? They don't take a flyer yeah. on, 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 on yeah. just the, the next biggest thing. They thoroughly do their research, um, and to be able to partner with a, um, a VA clinic to be able to see what these benefits are, that's pretty significant, especially for, young, for any company, but for a young company. Yeah, yeah I mean... You're, you're very, and that was very well said. Um, to be clear, I mean, we are a young company. I mean, I think 
you know, even the uh, the Ubers of the world are. I mean, frankly, if the, in the large scheme of things, even Google's a young company. In the you know, if you look at the, if compared to the Johnsons and Johnsons of the world or the, you know, the the steel companies of the world, but. Um, we've been in market for a year. The company's been around for actually about two and a half years. The first year and a half of that was a lot of research, talking to hundreds and hundreds of clinicians and patients to get their feedback in terms of what is their actual problem here and what can we do. So basically, we didn't want to take the field of dreams approach, just build it and they will come, um, especially not coming from a healthcare or mental health background myself. I really wanted to learn um, what their problem was from, from them themselves so that we can help build a product that was customized for their workflow and, um, and that was also clinically valid. So Neuroflow, in Neuroflow's suite of tools, we have mobile applications that patients can use that you know, are on iOS and Android, uh, but it's not a direct-to-consumer model. Um, so, uh, you know, anyone can go on the App Store and download it, but they won't be able to log into it unless they're invited by a um, either a medical provider or a behavioral health specialist. Um, and the thought there is that this really is a clinical tool. It's a decision support tool and an engagement tool. Um, and, the, and so that's why we took about 18 months to do a lot of research, a lot of product development, a lot of user testing before we launched uh, in the market. Uh, and I think that's part in part why you're seeing the encouraging results so early on. Right, and you know, and we have a, a variety of different listeners uh, here on the show. Um, some of them are clinicians, of course, uh, mental health professionals who are working with veterans, those uh, professionals who served and those who didn't. Uh, but also we have a number of veterans who, um, you know, it, it just veterans who are listening to the show and they'd be like, well, you know, why am I listening to this if, if I can't access it? Some of it is to show that, that you, as a field artillery officer, has decided to not continue to uh, perpetuate the silence but actually engage in mental health, uh, but also to show that, that there's different ways to get to this place of wellness, right? That it's not just sitting on the couch talking to somebody. It's actually using technology um, one of the uh, the striking things there was, a, and I talk about it often because I think it was such a, a striking report, was the National Academy's report at the beginning of the year that showed over 50% of post-9-11 veterans are, are comfortable or getting more comfortable accessing mental health through digital means. Um, again, like you said, through the app or, or things like that. Uh, and you're leveraging that comfortability with technology to be able to promote wellness. Well, yeah, I mean, first of all, yes, thank you for clarifying that. And the uh, what's what's really exciting is so right now we're, we're a clinical tool. Uh, and, you know, like I said, you have to be invited by a provider or behavioral health specialist to use this. Um, we've been getting a lot of feedback and have been working directly with clinicians um, to design and launch a um, what I would call a self-service app. Um, we're going to call it Empower, and it's going to launch in 2019. Uh, we're not sure exactly when yet, uh, but Empower will be able to be downloaded by a service member or by a patient that wants to um, uh, you know, engage with these mental health resources and tools uh, without a provider. Uh, but what will be uh, unique about it 
is if in the course of doing that, uh, if you're getting uh, you know feedback from the app that's that suggests maybe you would benefit from um, seeing a behavioral health specialist or uh, or going to therapy or CBT, that if you were to then engage with the provider, uh, they can have a more uh, holistic context of how um, your self-service in the app has been going so that they can deliver more, uh, you know, a more precise care for you right from the get-go as opposed to, and it, therefore saving time, saving therapy to hopefully get you out of therapy uh, sooner and be more effective in care both from the provider standpoint and the patient standpoint. So um, anyway, long story short is stay tuned in 2019. Dwayne, I'll, I'll definitely keep you updated on it uh, for when uh, that patient-facing side, the self-service app uh, with a lot of these mental health tools will be available. See, and that's the uh, another, again, through that same study was that uh, where they screened over 4,000 veterans and 51% of those veterans screened positive for some form of mental health concern, depression, anxiety, as you mentioned, post-traumatic stress, substance uh, use disorder. Um, but half of those that screened positive didn't even realize they had a problem. And so um, the Empower platform sounds like it's one way to bring that awareness, right? I don't know... I don't know that I got spinach in my teeth until I look into the mirror and see it, or somebody tells me, "Hey, you got spinach in your teeth." Um, that's a difference between I don't I don't see often. Many veterans don't see that there's an issue until a crisis happens, and either they realize it or someone else, a spouse or maybe the police, right, or whoever, will be able to will be telling them, "Hey, there's something wrong here." Um, and so the idea of being able to bring this to your attention, you know, maybe somebody will log in and say, you know, I think I'm not doing well, but then, you know, the, the feedback may, no, you're actually doing pretty good. It's, it's not that bad. And, and this is actually normal. And it may be, you know, just a little bit more time outside or whatever it is. Um, and so it's able to differentiate between those that, you know, things aren't quite as bad versus, you know, things are not nearly as good as they could possibly be. And so it's all about raising awareness and then driving that awareness to action. Yeah, a lot of the tools that we have built in are you know, related to those evidence-based therapies like cognitive behavioral therapy. And so it will help um, someone walk through exercises like reframing exercises, reframing thoughts, and, um, and helping them to not uh, catastrophize uh, certain you know, instances that uh, will help um, someone go through a, a thought process is saying like, okay, maybe this isn't as bad as I initially thought it was. We can talk through, we can work through various different solutions that we can work through. And um, that is a common uh, symptom and, and struggle that people that struggle with anxiety have, right? Catastrophizing sort of thing. And, and um, so, I mean, look, the, the whole goal for us, especially um, from an, uh, an awareness standpoint, is that one, there's, uh, there's nothing, I know a lot of people say this all the time, but there truly is nothing to be ashamed about when you have these, uh, when you struggle with anxiety or when you're, when you're feeling depressed. But mo moreover, and the most tragic thing is, is that these, these different um, struggles and these illnesses don't have to be life sentences. They're not, they don't have to last 
forever. You don't have to always struggle with them. Now, it may take work in, in truly getting better, um, but there's evidence-based therapies and there's a ton of dedicated uh, professionals like yourself, Dwayne, that are committed to um, getting patients uh, to feel better and to um, develop a you know a certain level of resiliency in there so that um, they're better off for it, they're happier for it, they're more productive because of it, and that th this doesn't have to be a, you know, a situation where for the rest of their life they're going to wake up feeling depressed and they have to do so in secrecy because they're ashamed by it. Right, and I, and I appreciate you bringing that out, and, and not even therapy is this long-term thing, right? And, I, you know, I often say that, you know, if, if I'm still working with somebody after eight months and, and things haven't shifted, then maybe I'm not doing my job. Uh, quite as well as I should be. Um, you know, even being in therapy isn't a long-term thing, or even looking at, you know, some medications. Yes, of course, there are some medications where you're going to have to be on that medication in perpetuity, uh, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, two of the significant ones, but that's because those are biologically based, and just like someone with diabetes is going to have to be on insulin. Um, but then if someone is, is um, you know, taking antidepressants and working with a therapist at the same time, um, there's a period of time where you don't have to be on antidepressants forever. It's after a while your brain is going to change and the chemicals are going to rebalance and you start tapering off and then you don't need those um, things anymore. And I think a lot of people um, will think that, that it is a long-term sort of once I start down this path that there's no way for me to get to the, the not path. Um, and it's it's really important to understand that it's actually going to be longer for you to recover if you don't get the treatment than if you get the treatment. Yeah, I, I, there's, a, you know, not to get technically uh, or too technical with the terms and the nomenclature, but I, I think, well, at least as far as the insurance reimbursement codes and the Center for Medicaid and Medicare are concerned, um, they delineate what you just described as serious and, persane, uh, serious and persistent mental illness and non-serious and persistent mental illness. And so those are the biological, bipolar, and that sort of thing versus anxiety and depression. And, and uh, so SPMI and non-SPMI. Um, they both, the good news is that they both have um, evidence-based ways and, and different either medications or treatments or therapies that can help with either of them. Uh, um, and then the non-SPMI is exactly what you said, where you can work uh, through therapy and um, to rebalance the brain and, and make uh, yourself less or excuse me more resilient, so that uh, you're not struggling with depression and anxiety in perpetuity. Right, and in, in, uh, in using the term um, non-serious and persistent, um, it's sort of like mild TBI, right? You know, how is there such a thing? But it's that's a that's a medical designation, right? That's a that's a designation that comes from the clinical field. Depression exactly. and anxiety are, are significantly serious, um, you know, and, and of course leading to the ultimate uh, critical outcome of suicide. Um, but, but even then, just the 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 issues of uh, you know uh, life satisfaction and, and disrupted relationships and, and you know employment, you know, so they that's serious and persistent. It can be serious and persistent if you don't seek treatment for it. Thank you for clarifying. That's very well said. And I, I guess what's 
the hopeful piece of it is that, um, you know, not to beat a dead horse, but as, as we're saying, I mean, there's the professionals like yourself have years and years of training and experience to deliver evidence-based therapy that doesn't have to be a forever thing. If done correctly, if engaged properly, um, if motivated by the patient, um, you know, it's a two-way street. You could only do so much for that patient. That patient has to put some work in as well. And it, um, that, you know, there, there is light at the end of the tunnel, I guess is what I'm saying. No, there definitely is. I'd, I'd like to get into, you know, I, I can imagine, you know, people are listening to this conversation and say, okay, this is nice, but then, you know, what is Neuroflow? And Neuroflow, it's, it's, a, it's a combination. It's a, um, a web-based platform, um, but specifically you had mentioned wearables. I'd like to hear you talk a little bit about how um, how wearables, you know, my, my Fitbit or the Apple Watch or, or whatever, um, how these integrate into the Neuroflow system uh, and enable... Um, enable an individual to sort of, uh, you know, track their progress, because that kind of stuff is, is pretty fascinating to me. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so going back to taking a step back when, uh, you know, when someone engages in a mindfulness exercise, or maybe on the converse side of things, the, uh, an exposure exercise. So um, exposure therapy is validated and evidence-based therapy uh, to treat PTSD in a lot of cases. Um, when you're exposed to something that might trigger a symptom or when you engage in mindfulness and get into a more relaxed meditative state, your body changes physiologically in, in both of those uh, instances. Um, and when I, what I mean by your body changes, just like if uh, you get hot, you sweat, uh, your heart rate may go up, um, uh, when you work out, your uh, you know your heart rate goes up. When you get uh, aroused, your pupils dilate. I mean, your body changes when uh, certain emotions occur. And so, when you are stressed, or when you are anxious, or vice versa, when you are relaxed and meditated, um, your heart rate and your uh, brain change, um, and in, in fairly precise ways where we know that through research. So, um, and when I say heart rate, I, what I, I really am referring to heart rate variability. So not just the beats per minute, not just going from 70 beats a minute to 90 beats a minute, you know, that change can occur just because you're, you know, you went for a two mile run or something like that. Um, it's the actual, the time in between each beat and the variance of that time in between each beat. So is it more consistent or is it less consistent? And um, that measurement is a high correlate to emotional state, to relax, uh, to relaxed state versus an anxious, amped up state. Um, likewise, your brain produces a variety of different uh, wavelengths. So your brain produces alpha waves, beta waves, theta, gamma, and delta waves. And your prefrontal cortex, which is the front of your brain, it's the, it's the brain, uh, part of your brain that's right, uh, just behind your forehead, um, is uh, where your uh, emotions are regulated. And so if we can, uh, using wearable devices, there's a, there's a lot of cool um, uh, Bluetooth, wireless, 
wearable EEG headsets out there in the market. One of the ones that we are compatible with, we partnered with, is called the Muse, M-U-S-E. And um, uh, you know, you can take the Muse and it looks like something out of Star Trek a little bit. It's, it's just it's very futuristic, but it's um, it's it looks like just a headband. It's very lean and I think it retails for $200, so not the cheapest thing, but certainly not the most expensive. And uh, using that, we can measure the brain, the waves that your brain produces from the prefrontal cortex, and we can correlate those to your, the emotional state. Um, so when, uh, you know, whether you're anxious or stre stressed or relaxed, your body produces more or less of alpha waves. And so if we can measure that, we can show objectively and empirically, you know, kind of how stressed or uh, relaxed you are in that moment, in, in real time. We can do the same thing with heart rate and heart rate variability measurements um, using the, you know, whatever heart rate monitor, as long as it can get HRV from it. Um, and we take it even a step further now because we understand a lot of people don't have these wearables um, or someone doesn't have the means to, uh, to, to get a $200 EEG headset. Um, so can you still benefit from these wearables uh, and from measuring your physiological um, heart rate? And you know, our engineering team, we have some of the best data scientists in the world, some of the best engineers in the world, uh, have built uh, a tool and an algorithm that pairs with a smartphone device. So as long as you have a smartphone, Android or iOS, and that phone has a camera with a flash on it, uh, you can use the camera and the flash to get heart rate variability. Now there are other apps out there that do, uh, you could do that and just get, um, you know, see your heartbeat. But we apply our um, algorithms that have been validated with the University of Pennsylvania and their neuroscience department in correlating that and showing stress and energy level. So, you know, it just takes a 90 second reading via the phone. I do this twice a day. I do one in the morning when I first show up at the office. I do one at night when I'm trying to wind down and it's a breathing exercise. So on the app, you'll see this breathe, um, this screen, this breathing guide kind of inflate and then deflate. And I could play a mindfulness uh, session when I went uh, along with doing that if I wanted to. And while doing that, I'm also have my finger on the phone, flash and camera, and I'm measuring my stress and my energy level uh, with my biometrics, with my physiology, so I can objectively see how my body's reacting. And I do that because now I can track over time how, you know, over the course of a week, um, how I was progressing and, and that sort of thing. So that's... Um, that's in the platform and on the application. And what's really neat about that is that if you were my therapist, Wayne, uh, and I was doing that in between appointments with uh, with you, um, you can see that you know we could interact remotely, and you could kind of track my progress and see I'm doing in between appointments. Or the next time I would come in for my hour-long session, we can review my charts and say like, wow, look, you've been really improving over the last week. Good job. And it's a um, it's a way to stay engaged and motivated with with the uh, therapy. No, I, I can see uh, the benefit to that uh, even, um, you know, I, I've had uh, uh, clients come in to be able to say, um, clients come in to be able to say, 
you know, hey, this this happened on Saturday, but it didn't uh, didn't bother me as much because I knew I was coming in to see you on Tuesday, right? It was something that I was able to file away, and I'm going to see my guy and, and what have you. And so this is even another way if if the you know we wake up one morning after a nightmare, let's say, um, and and I have a uh, um, uh, you know elevated heart rate and all this other thing that I could even then to myself say okay, got it, filed that away, and that's something that I'm going to talk about with my clinician when I see them, whenever, right? And so that's even another benefit that I see from the clinical standpoint. Uh, but even the, the, you know, the physical integration, right? You're, you're talking about um, the when our emotions come that we have this physical response. You know, and every veteran who's experienced maybe a, a you know, a reaction to a, a trigger or something, you know, that hair stands up in the back of your neck, and you know, your palms get sweaty and your mouth gets dry and all of these different things happen. Um, and anything that happens can be measured and it can be communicated. Um, and, and then we can, we can control that, right, if, if it's brought to our attention. As you said, the, the prefrontal cortex, um, if our emotions are just running wild and we don't, you know, and we're just, you know, freaking out, let's say for a, a lack of a scientific term, um, then we're not controlling anything. But the minute that we, you know, look at our, you know, Fitbit or Apple Watch or whatever, and then start doing that relaxed breathing exercise and focus on calming ourselves down, that's when we engage the front part of our brain. And the more we engage the front part of our brain, the greater our emotional control. And it's this, and it is truly an integration between the psychological and the physical. Absolutely. What I mean, and you're you're getting at the crux of what we believe at NeuroFlow, and um, I mean, frankly, it's not even what we believe. It's uh, backed up by decades of evidence before us. We're just trying to put a digital and tech, you know, a technological spin on it so that we can make these things accessible uh, to everyone remotely, at, whether they're at home, at their work, at their kids' soccer game. Um, so that we can extend the power of the therapy with you and the benefit of that to their everyday life, to the other 99% of the time that they're not in that hour-long session with, um, with the specialist. Right, and, and then I definitely see, and you had mentioned it earlier, um, the, the fact that this isn't just a veteran issue, that, uh, that it is a, a wider issue, the mental health piece, um, but I'm a firm believer of, you know, as veterans go, so go our nation um, and solutions. If we can, you know, solve the very tangled problem of, of stigma against help sinking, which is very prevalent in the military space, um, as well as access to care, which is also challenging um, for, for service members, um, that if we can solve those in the veteran space, we can then turn around and apply those to, you know, mental health, uh, you know, at large. And so it, it sounds great what you guys are doing. Uh, thank you. Uh, like I said, I think it's, a, it's been an exciting two and a half years to be part of the company and, and founding it uh, a few years ago. Um, and it's been an exciting year now to finally be in the clinic and to have the, you know, my the hair on the back of my neck stands up in a good way uh, when we when a doctor calls us and, and says that this is really ch truly changing and helping the way I'm able to treat the whole person, not just their physical health. And when we have a patient give us a review on the app store 
or email us to just thank us and say like I've never had this sort of resource or this sense of help before it it's what motivates us to get to work every day but there is so much more work to be done um, I said it earlier and I mean it just it we we can't do it alone um, it, this problem is big enough and it's going to it's audacious enough where it, it's only going to be solved if everyone has a has a part in that solution and if everyone is motivated and um, is a believer in either helping the people that you love and are close to to inspire them to get the help that they need and to be a resource to them and if you yourself are uh, are struggling understanding that you know this it doesn't have to be that way um, you know together I think as a community of both as veterans and just as you know, humans and Americans, we can uh, we can really start to make a big impact. Right, and then it comes back to uh, what you said before: is we can build the uh, uh, the biggest state of the art facility in the world, and we can bring in all of the most effective technology that science shows uh, works and, and helps and increases wellness. Uh, but until that person steps out and says, I, "I'm going to get that help," or uh, I'm actually going to engage in this. Um, until people start showing up, then uh, the effectiveness is going to be limited. And uh, definitely um, you and, and the team at Neuroflow uh, have definitely stepped up. And so uh, that's, uh, that's appreciative on my part personally, but I just I think it's great. So if somebody wants to uh, learn more about Neuroflow or maybe connect with you specifically, how would they do that? Yeah, that's that's easy. Um, so our website is neuroflowsolution.com. That's N-E-U-R-O-F-L-O-W solution.com. Um, and you know all our contact information stuffs on that website. You can find out more about the program. Um, if you if you're a uh, clinician listening to this and it's something that you might be interested in. Um, uh, we have, again, the platform for behavioral health specialists uh, and uh, the Integrate Health platform, which is for um, a medical provider, someone that could prescribe medication, and there's actually reimbursements tied to that. Um, and then if you're a patient and, and you're saying, well, this is something that is interesting and I'd like to, you know, try to engage with this, especially there's, you know, we, we didn't get into this, Wayne, but there's uh, reward mechanisms. Actually, you could get gift cards and stuff like that for doing your exercises. So if you're a patient, you're saying, this is something I want to try and I want to do uh, with my clinician, there's a way for uh, you to refer your provider uh, to us so that we can give them uh, you know, a, um, a free access or discounted access to it. Um, or you could just introduce it to them yourselves and uh, we would love to have a discussion with them and with you about that. So neuroflowsolution.com. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Uh, you, uh, those URLs are neuroflowlive. Uh, that's neuroflow, then L-I-V-E. And uh, I mean, listen, I I love getting getting contacted by anyone that's also passionate about the mental health space, clinicians patients, family members, it doesn't matter. Uh, like I said, this is a team effort. We're in this together. Um, so I welcome anyone to please please reach out and find us. 
That's great. And I'm going to make sure that all those links, uh, both to the website and then the, uh, the social media contacts, make sure that those are in the show notes. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today, Chris. Thanks, Dwayne. Th- thanks for everything that you do. Um, I know for both the veteran and the mental health community, you're really making a difference. Thanks for having me on the show today. You're listening to Headspace and Timing on the Change Your POV Podcast Network. Great conversation. I mentioned it briefly in the show, but I think Chris is a great example of someone who didn't follow a traditional path in getting out of the military. He also shows that you don't have to be a mental health professional to make an impact on veteran mental health. We also talk about it briefly in this episode, but a Forbes article at the end of October talks about how Christopher and his company was awarded a small business technology transfer grant from the National Science Foundation. In that article, Chris is quoted as saying, This is a huge opportunity to demonstrate how technology and remote monitoring capabilities can enhance the way providers integrate and collaborate on behavioral health care in an evidence-based fashion. This is not technology that replaces mental health counseling, but it is something that enhances it. It leverages technology to help build awareness about our ability to control our own mind and body and helps partner with the professional we're working with to help us get to where we need that much faster. This pilot program is going to be rolling out at the Corporal Michael J. Krasin's VA Medical Center in Philadelphia. If you want to find out more, make sure to head over to NeuroFlowSolutions.com. Thanks again for taking the time to listen to this conversation. You can find the show notes for this episode and all the episodes at VeteranMentalHealth.com. Make sure to join us next week when we talk to another friend and colleague of mine, Anne-Marie Craig, about her organization, the Commit Foundation. Their goal is to change the way that veterans and communities think about transition, just like my goal is to change the way that we all think about veteran mental health. Make sure to tune in so you don't miss it, and until then, stay focused and be well. I'd like to thank the Change Your POV Podcast Network for hosting this show and highlighting the critical importance of veteran mental health. We want to hear from you. You can reach out to me via email at duane at veteranmentalhealth.com. You can find me at Twitter at The Counseling Vet or head on over to Facebook and look for the Change Your POV Squad. You can find the show notes for this episode and all the episodes by going to veteranmentalhealth.com or changeyourpov.com. Sign up for updates on either or both so you don't miss another episode. While you're at it, check out the other great shows on the Change Your POV Podcast Network. The show about remembering our military history and reviving our warrior spirit, changing hearts and minds. The show about outdoor activities that us veterans love so much, Neophyte in the Woods. The show that helps us get going at the beginning of the week, Motivation Monday. And Attack Fridays, the show that brings you actionable tips, tricks, and coachable knowledge to help you make the best of your transition. While you're checking out the other shows, drop us a review in iTunes or whatever podcast platform you're listening to. The reviews really help spread the word about what we're doing. If you're looking for the total package for all the information you need to live the life you want after leaving the military, you found it. If you know of a buddy who's looking for the same info, share it with them so they can find it too. I want to thank Doc Todd for his permission to use his track, Not Alone, from his amazing album Combat Medicine. Doc Todd is somebody who's trying to bring veteran mental health out of the darkness and into the light, and you can get the album by going to therealdoctod.com. Check it out. Because remember, veterans, you're not alone. Ever. The struggle is real. Found a piece and lost a soul. Eventually, my drinking, it got out of control. There in darkness, I roam, struggling to find home. See, suddenly, death didn't feel so alone. 22 a day, destination unknown. It could have been avoided if you picked up the phone. But now you're gone, so I guess all we get is the tone. Nothing-
breaking up stones I've triumphed over enemies, co-creating mini-me's Broke out facilities that try to put an end to me R.I.P. I'd rather grind in tranquility Authentic Tennessee, embrace my ability Looking for more ways to learn about military and veteran culture? Are you a mental health professional or public health professional without lived experience in the military but find yourself working with veterans? Are you a caregiver or a family member of a veteran? Then you might be interested in a series of books that have been released with you in mind. By going to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books, you can check out three books that give you an insight into veteran mental health from a combat veteran perspective. These books are a collection of short, consumable essays that discuss a wide range of topics related to mental health and wellness in post-military life. Head on over to VeteranMentalHealth.com forward slash books and check them out for yourself or follow the link in the show notes.